going, everybody? Aloha and welcome to Studio 88 here on PE Koi Street for the very first episode of Bose Football Final at KHON2.com. I'm Rob Gamello alongside me from the University of Hawaii player and coach and Rainbow Warrior football analyst at Spectrum Sports, Rich Miano. And coach, this is a big week for the KHON2 sports team. Not only are we debuting Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com, but on Thursday night, 9.30, on KHON2, it's season seven of Cover Two, powered by the LA Rams. On Saturday, the Rainbow Warrior football team back mm -hmm. in action against Oregon State. And as you would predict, I woke up with the worst head cold <laughs> I've ever had in my entire life. Typical. Yes, it's inevitable, right? Stressing during the best part of football season. Yeah, but you know what? We're gonna power through it, just like the Rainbow Warrior football team intends to do this weekend against Oregon State. And it's been over a week since their season opening debut against Arizona, 45-38 victory at Aloha Stadium, an emphatic debut for this UH football team. Let's go over some of the storylines that have come out of that game as the Rainbow Warriors start the year 1-0. And the first thing that we're gonna talk about is the quarterback situation. Mm -hmm. Cole McDonald, the returning starter for this Rainbow Warrior football team, rode the highs and the lows of 378 yards passing, four touchdowns, but also had four interceptions, mm -hmm. ultimately replaced by redshirt freshman Shevin Cordero, who gave UH a 10-point advantage in the fourth quarter and again hung on to win 45-38. Head coach Nick Rolovich says that they are in a unique and beneficial situation. Cole McDonald is the starting quarterback, but he believes they have the best backup in the country. Where do yeah. you stand on this quarterback room for the Rainbow Warrior football team? I think Nick Rolovich, like most coaches, consistently good, better than occasionally great. Because when you look at, at the film and you break down Cole McDonald, he threw a tremendous amount of good balls. But there were four opportunities where he, out of the scheme of things, forced throws, and those were definitely bad decisions, and they ended up hurting the Rainbow Warriors. So. To me, I'm with Rolo in terms of having two quarterbacks can be a tremendous luxury. And last year, because of the redshirt rule, you know, Cordero's role was limited based upon trying to preserve that redshirt. This year, you got the guy coming out of the bullpen that can really close out games. You know he can win as a starter. And I think that pushes Cole McDonald to make sure that he plays within this offense. So I think it's a, a good situation for uh, the, the, the Rainbows to be in. And I also think that the way Nick Rolovich, Craig Stessman, Brian Smith, all of those offensive guys are handling the situation is real positive moving forward. You know, you brought up the term coming out of the bullpen. Let, let's have that conversation. It, it, are, are we crazy to think, is it out of the realm of possibilities that if you are the UH football team, if you're Nick Rolovich, Craig Stussman, Brian Smith on that offensive side of the ball, and Cole McDonald gives you a lead, let's say a two touchdown advantage late in the game, is that something that you consider is bringing in Shevin Cordero almost as a closer to use a, a baseball term of someone that you know that is not going to turn the ball over. He plays the offense a little bit safer than Cole McDonald. I, I think Cole has more of the likelihood of giving you 378 yards and four touchdowns than Shevin Cordero d does right now in his career. But Shevin is more likely to hold on to a lead. Is that something that at all goes into the conversation? Yeah, I think it's situational. I think it's circumstance. I think there's a lot of things that play into that as well. But I think when you have two dynamic quarterbacks, you have to have at least a package for Shevin. And you always want Shevin, of course, to be game ready and, and be ready to play at any time because 
This game is so violent and brutal that to have your quarterback, especially with RPOs, especially mm -hmm. with read options, especially with quarterback counters, Cole's going to take some hits. And if he does get hurt, you know, the rest of the country would drop off tremendously. But you bring in a guy that has more twitch, that has more ability to extend plays, that can throw from all different arm angles and can win and makes good decisions. So I think that it's something that these coaches have a good problem mm -hmm. but have to solve that problem because I think he's too good, Shevin, to stay on the bench even if Cole's having tremendous success. Now, no matter who the quarterback is, Cedric Bird has more than made himself available as being the go-to guy in this mm -hmm. run-and-shoot offense. 14 catches, 224 yards, and four touchdowns. He was named Mountain West Conference Offensive Player of the Week today mm -hmm. because they take week, week zero and week one, combine it to give their awards out. What is it about Cedric Bird? What does he bring to this offense that makes him so successful and, and makes him a guy that no matter who the quarterback is, that's target number one. Yeah, if orange is the new black, bird is the new Arsua. <laughs> when you look at the fact that we've lost one of the greatest prolific receivers in Hawaii history, but you look at the maturation of Cedric Bird in terms of throttling it down. Like, he understands he's reading pre-snap, accelerated vision, knows what the coverage is, the more reps he's getting, the more better he's getting, and finding those windows in the zones, being able to use leverage, pull away from defenders. Cedric Bird is putting up video game numbers, and it was week zero last year against Colorado State. Mm -hmm. It's week zero this year against Arizona, but I expect maybe a prolific season record in terms of yards, touchdowns from this receiver. And defenses are now going to have to try to double-team him like they did with John Osua, mm -hmm. which opens up the running game, which also opens up JoJo Ward. It opens up uh, Jared Smart. It opens up uh, a plethora of things for this offense to do. But he is the most dynamic weapon uh, out of the receivers. Now let's talk a little bit about the defense. This is mm -hmm. a unit that despite the offense giving up six turnovers, was still able to beat a Pac-12 team, which is just blasphemy. I mean, if, if I were to tell you before that game started that the UH offense had turned this thing over six times, Hawaii would still win this football game, you'd think I was nuts. And they were able to do it. And not only were they able to do it, but they were able to capture the imagination of the college football world because of how that game ended. Yes. With Manly Pumba Williams out of Farrington High School making the assisted tackle at the one-yard line on Khalil Tate with Kalen Hicks, proving that you never give up on a play. The, the way that he tracked down from behind the line of scrimmage, behind Tate, and was able to make that tackle is something that's being talked about by the entire country. You have the San Francisco 49ers, Clemson Tigers, Georgia Bulldogs showing it in their meetings the very next day. The only thing I could think of that is anywhere close to that was 2010 against Nevada, nationally yeah. ranked at yeah. Aloha Stadium, Colin Kaepernick about to score a touchdown, yes. heading into halftime, which would have swung the tide in that game, oh, and Corey Paredes forces a fumble as Colin Kaepernick is going out of bounds. You were on that staff, and that changed everything for that defense because everyone on that team saw what kind of reaction comes from not giving up, from, from having a play like that. Do you think that here in 2019, a similar thing will happen with this UH defense? It changes the landscape of this defense. Yeah, and I'm hoping so. And you look at Shayan Sani Toa, you look at Panay Pavihi being out of this game, you look at Jeremiah Pritchard being hurt, you look at Kanai Picanso, and you say, wow, linebacker was a position of strength, and they, they still played well. Mm -hmm. When you look at 
the fact that Corey Batoon and Abraham Elamimim and Jacob Yoro and Ricky Longo and all these coaches have done a great job of realizing that there's really no bell cow, there's really no uh, Jelani Tavai mm. on this defense, but if you all run to the football, if you all play as a team, if you all do your 111, you have a chance to be a pretty good defense. And to me, the biggest defensive play of the game was Ikemo Keke's interception yeah. in the fourth yeah. quarter, because that's to me is a 14-point swing possibly. You're taking away seven, they're in the red zone. It was huge because both of those safeties had zero interceptions last year. And even the Kai Kaneshiro pick in the first mm -hmm. quarter set the momentum, set the tone, uh, allowed them to be able to believe in what they were doing schematically. And I really think that the, the, this coaching staff, and I watched their pursuit drills. I watched the way they love these players up. I watched the way they coach them up. It, it led to the Manly Pumbo Williams, and that led to social media. It led to, like you say, NFL, college football, high school football. It allows coaches to show that video and show the importance of hustling, never giving up. And to me, that is going to be a play that, you, like you say, very similar to Corey Paredes, yeah. a turning point for this defense to know that never give up on a play, never stay with the play longer than the opponent, play to the whistle. All those cliche things, it's on video, and you couldn't ask for a better teaching tape. And the fact that it came out of week zero, national TV, it gave the University of Hawaii tremendous exposure and I think tremendous confidence for this defense moving forward. And moving forward is the Oregon State Beavers on Saturday at Aloha Stadium, 6 o'clock kickoff. It will be on Spectrum Sports mm -hmm. pay-per-view. And you look at the University of Hawaii being four-and-a-half-point favorites to open wow. uh, the line here for Saturday's game. What do you expect out of Saturday? This is uh, a game that's going to have some bad blood because mm -hmm. of Nick Rolovich yeah. and, and what happened with the, the transfers going on at Oregon State, uh, Nick um, <laughs> blowing the whistle on Oregon State, yeah. sending recruiting material to the University of Hawaii. So there's a lot of storylines coming out of this game, but most importantly, it's the University of Hawaii having a chance to open the season with a second Pac-12 victory. What do you expect out of Saturday? Well, I love the way this schedule sets up, you know, because you win the first game against a, a talented athletic Arizona team, and then you have the bye week, because the most improvement comes after the first football game when you actually have live bullets. Unlike mm -hmm. any other level of football, there's no preseason, there's no seven-on-seven, seven, there's no inter-squad scrimmages. So for Hawaii to win, making a bunch of mistakes that you can teach off, but they showed that they have the athleticism to play with Pac-12 opponents. And I think Arizona is a little bit more athletic than Oregon State. And I expect Hawaii to come in very confident in this football game. And I expect Cole McDonald to play within the offense. I expect uh, not two fumbles, especially the one by uh, Freddie Hawley uh, June, uh, the third. I think that's inexcusable. I think they need to change Pride Rock to protect the rock. Mm. And I think that uh, good things are going to happen for this football team. And you win two if you're 2-0 with two victories over Pac-12, it shows the local boys. It shows that you're sending guys to the National Football League with Jelani Tavai and John Ursua making the squads along with all those other guys, Bows and the Pros. It shows that you can beat Pac-12. It shows that you're on national TV. Hopefully it shows that you're going to another bowl game. And I, and I think these are really positive signs for the University of Hawaii football program moving forward. I just hope... There's more people. I expect 30,000 people at the stadium for this Saturday. Yeah, and tickets 50% off from last week into Labor Day. So really, there's no excuses at there's this not. point. They created tons of excitement. They captured the imagination mm -hmm. of University of Hawaii football fans. And then here we go. You have 10 days uh, of practices to get ready for Oregon State. It's going to create a lot of uh, excitement for the fan base to come out on yes. Saturday for this Oregon State game. All right.
on social media last week and through all the way up until yesterday. Put it out there if you have any questions for Rich, uh, anything you want us to talk about. We're going to call this For the Gram, all right? So you can hit me up on Instagram, at Rob DeMello, on Facebook, at Rob DeMello, on Twitter, at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N. If you have any questions, you send it our way. And we got three questions right here. And, you know, I didn't ask if I could say the people's name that sent it in. So for this week, we're going to leave it uh, anonymous because I, I, I don't want to... Uh, throw their name out there if they don't want us to. But uh, the first thing is, are you concerned about the explosive plays that the secondary on this University of Hawaii football team gave up against Arizona here heading into this Oregon State game? It's always a concern. Being a former secondary coach, I've looked at these plays and, I, and I've studied them. I've talked to the coaches as well as some of the players. And uh, the, the wide open touchdown was a communication issue amongst the corner and the safety, whether they zone it up, whether they lock it up, they should have locked it up. The split was too wide to zone that type of uh, route. Um, so they'll learn from that. Mm -hmm. The other touchdown, the pop pass, you know, Roe Farris, who's an outstanding corner, who's going to have a phenomenal season, needs to keep his eye on the tight end just a little bit longer because he has run responsibility as well as man coverage on the tight end. And if he just disciplines his eyes a little longer. So the answer to your question is, is those are inexcusable, but they're very teachable. And I think these guys have enough pride in themselves. And I think they're coached up well between Abraham Elamimim and Corey Batoon in the secondary that Great things happen when you can learn from those mistakes, especially early in the season, and you don't repeat those mistakes. I expect this secondary to be one of the strengths of this team. All right, question number two, running backs. As far as who gives this team, this run-and-shoot offense, the best opportunity to fire on all cylinders? Which of these running backs makes this UH offense the best it can be? Dayton Furuta, Fred Holly III, Miles Reed, obviously all three played against Arizona. Two of them unfortunately had fumbles in Dayton Furuta and Fred Holly. Miles Reed clutched down the stretch with a big first down to help ice that game. In your opinion, who is the running back that makes this offense the very best it can be? I'd be remiss if I didn't say they're complimentary in terms of they all have a role in this offense. But if you have to pick one, you have to go with Dayton Faruta because it goes back to the June Jones days. You're almost putting a guard in the backfield. And when you look at the last season when the ball was coming out in 1.82 seconds early in the season when Hawaii was 6-1, and one, it's the back is not as important in pass protection, but it is important because people are learning how to scheme this run and shoot. And if they have enough athletes and they have a great pass rush, Dayton is the best in pass protection. And I'll tell you one thing I noticed about Dayton this year. He seems to have a little bit more wiggle. He seems to have a little bit more quickness. And when he gets to that second level, his punishing of linebackers and secondary, that takes its toll. And the physicality of this offense is very important because people think of it as not a physical type of offense. They, they, but you look at Solo Vipulu's block last mm -hmm. week. You look at Dayton Faruta running the football and then pass protection. This offense needs to take on the persona of the Dayton Farutas, the solo Vipulus, to be successful because you have to be physical even though you're a spread offense. All right, and we're going to close things out with this question right here. John Ursua, Jelani Tavai both made NFL rosters. Not much of a surprise. I think everyone saw that coming, um, especially Jelani Tavai, who was a second-round draft pick. But again, Ursua to the Seattle Seahawks. He will be making his debut this week. Jelani Tavai, Detroit Lions. The question is, on this current UH football roster, Who's next? Who's the next bow in the pro? I think Cole Laval, in terms of a guy who is eligible to go to the National Football League, who has the size, the strength, the intangibles, the toughness, playing center. He didn't play last week. Hopefully he'll be back this week. But I think when the scouts see his numbers as well as his play on the field, he'll get drafted. Maybe a middle-round guy, but also 
you got to think Cole McDonald, if he does as well as he did last year, he'll be eligible because he's three years removed from high school. So he could leave early. And the great thing about that is Chevin Cadero still will have three years to play three. But those two guys are on NFL. Uh, they're, they're on these, the scouts mind and they'll be continued to be evaluated in terms of what round they'll be drafted. Yeah, the sky's the limit for Cole McDonald yeah. because never in this University of Hawaii running shoot offense has a guy put up the kind of numbers that Cole does and then has the size that Strength. is transferable to yes. the NFL and what the scouts like. So uh, very interesting to see what happens here throughout the rest of the season. But first things first, the University of Hawaii against Oregon State Saturday at Aloha Stadium, mm -hmm. 6 p.m. on Spectrum Sports pay-per-view. But get down to the stadium. Tickets are affordable, and it's going to be a lot of fun there in Halaba. We're going to be here every Monday at noon for Bose Football Final at KHON2.com. And, of course, you can also catch us on Cover 2, powered by the L.A. Rams, Hawaii's high school football weekly. That's Thursday nights, 930 on KHON2. Rich Miano, thanks for joining us today. Always Looking a pleasure. Looking forward to it all season long. We'll catch you at KHON2.com. Aloha.